Thanks for tuning in to Chartable Radio. I'm here this week with Molly Beck, the founder and CEO of Messy.fm. Molly, thanks for coming on the show. Dave, I am so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me on. I love talking to other people that are as passionate about the industry as I am. Yes, uh, this is what the show is all about. It's only for people who are super passionate about podcasts. <laughs> so let's talk about Messy. Um, how, what is Messy and uh, why did you start it? Sure. So Messy is the easiest way to create a podcast. It's an all-in-one do-it-yourself platform that lets a new podcaster can come to the site at www.messy.fm. And without ever leaving the site, they can record, edit, add in music, publish, get analytics, monetize, run listener support, uh, run on additional directories, the whole shebang. We like to say that it's idea to Apple Podcasts in minutes, although that line worked better before they changed their name. It was a little catchier and it was idea to iTunes in minutes, but it still worked. <laughs> idea to Apple Podcasts in minutes. <laughs> that sounds great. So basically, you can do everything you need to do all on one website. You don't need to have uh, separate audio, uh, audio editing software, recording software, etc. Is that right? No, not at all. Some of our users do use mess do use other platforms if they're already on like a Zencaster or Zoom and they're really liking it or they're big fans of Audacity. You don't have to use Messy for all eight of those features. You can just use the ones that work for your company, but you, we have many podcasters that use it for all eight of those main features. Fantastic. And why did you um, decide to start Messy? So I was working at Forbes and my job at Forbes was launching Forbes Podcasts, which was a collection or is a collection, it's still up and running, of business-related podcasts. And while I was working at Forbes, we obviously had the resources for great equipment, sound editors, sort of the whole shebang to do some really nicely, highly produced shows. But if you work in podcasting, you know that everybody, once they find out you work in podcasting, wants to tell you their idea for a show. So if I was at a party or an event or whatnot, people were always coming up to me and telling me very excitedly their idea for a podcast they wanted to start. And over time, I started to notice two things kept happening again and again. The first was that it was mostly women who were coming up to me with really interesting, unique ideas for shows. And the second was that when I would see someone again, you know, a couple of weeks later at a different event or follow up via email and ask, hey, how's your show coming? The answer always came back. You know, I tried to do it, but there was too many platforms. I didn't have the right login. Wasn't sure I could afford an editor. It seemed like a lot. I'm short on time already, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I started sort of connecting the dots in my head. I was one of the people who started a blog back in you know 2008. Mm-hmm. And starting that blog completely changed my entire professional life, not just you know where I was working at the time I was working at Goldman Sachs. And then I moved into marketing, but also got me an agent and a book deal and some really interesting you know television stuff. And so I started thinking the reason I was able to start a blog was because Blogspot existed. So I just had to worry about the words. Somebody else cared, like took care of that technical back end. And of course, Blogspot is no longer maybe as active as it once was. I don't even know if it's still around. But I started thinking, where is the WordPress for podcasts? Like, where is this all in one site that lets people just focus on their voice? So ultimately, I left Forbes to go and launch Messy. And that's what I'm running today. That's a great story. So you. Uh, launched Forbes podcast uh, and and saw the power of podcasts and then thought I'm going to 
take this into my own hands and and give people the tools to make more shows. 100%. And before I worked at Forbes, I uh, ran marketing at Venmo. So I'd also seen the excitement of being part of a startup and having that feeling to in a business. And I wanted to work in a place where you had that sort of excitement. So I really liked the idea of merging podcasting plus working in a startup environment around sort of a brand new industry. That sounds great. And and how is it going so far? How long have you been uh, working on Messy? So Messy launched in January of 2018. So we've been live about 13, 14 months. Nice. And it's been a really, every dream I had for Messy has been exceeded. And, you know, that's the thing about dreams. Once they start growing, they keep growing. <laughs> so now the, the sky is really where we're headed with Messy. And it's been a really fun, interesting ride. As I mentioned, when I first launched, I really thought that the target audience would be mostly women. I really wanted to help women jump into the new space. It bothered me that most, if you look at like the top 25 podcasts on Apple Podcasts, that most of them are by men. Um, But over time, we've really seen that the Messy creators have been almost exactly a 50-50 split, male-female, which has been really interesting and fun to see. And then over the past six months, six, seven months, we really started to see an explosion in the number of small businesses and nonprofits that were using Messy to power their podcasts. Just a big increase in that space, wanting to get involved in a new medium that would let them reach you know, potential clients, customers, donors, fans easily. And it's been really fun to think about what are some solutions or features that users that are doing it to further their business's mission or their nonprofit story, how can we be creating solutions for them? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, one of the things that I think, um, I mean, I, I agree, it's crazy that uh, most of the top podcasts are uh, fronted or hosted by dudes. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. also interesting that because podcasts don't have this central gatekeeper in the way that uh, traditional media do, um, that there is an opportunity for uh, more diverse voices to um, to to create an audience or find an audience for themselves. So it's awesome that you guys are um, uh, are doing that with with Messy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I also often think about the parallels between blogging and podcasting. And you know, when blogging first started, it was really the most popular types of blogs were like tech blogs in like 1998, 99, 2000 that were mostly written by men. And then there was sort of a shift. And now when people hear the word blog or lifestyle blogger, they often think of a mommy blogger, a parenting blogger. Mm -hmm. And I am hopeful that Messy will help make the space more of a 50-50 split podcasts that are run by men and podcasts that are run by women. And every time I, Messy is also a directory. So podcasters can run their podcast on Messy, even if it's not hosted by Messy. And every time I go to our top and trending page and see that we have usually real close to a 50-50 split, if not slightly tipped towards women fronting shows, it makes me feel like the mission I set out for is being accomplished. That's amazing. So let's talk about that that comparison between podcasts and blogs. It's already it's already come up uh, a couple of times. You think of Messy as WordPress for blogs. So if we're kind of, uh, I'm sorry, WordPress for podcasts. So if we're kind yeah. of, uh, if I miss WordPress for blogs, I might be, 
I might be off on an island somewhere right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I would be too. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's say it's WordPress for podcasts. Do you think history is going to repeat w- when it comes to um, podcasts, the same things that happen to blogs? I think that's a reasonable assumption. I'm not sure it will play out exactly the same. And I think the timeline will be much more condensed. Blogging was really the first time people could share their voice on the internet and have their own website. And now everybody thinks of, not only do they maybe have a blog, but they have a Facebook page and social pages and an Instagram, and they already feel like they have an online presence. So I think that the timeline will be more compressed for podcasting to become way more mainstream on the creation side than for blogging, which took about 15 years to reach sort of peak saturation. For sure. So if it's if it's not going to take 10 or 15 years, like what do you think, what is going to happen in the near future? What does the near future of podcasting look like to you? Yeah, I think over the next 12 months, what we'll see, I know people in the industry, including people like you and I, are sort of very hyper-focused on, you know, what does Spotify's re- recent acquisitions mean? What does it mean that the market is maybe consolidating in some ways? I think that people that work in the industry are very interested in that. I think, you know, but I think sometimes we forget that only one in four Americans listen to a podcast on a regular basis. So there's a long way to go before podcasts are as mainstream as they can be on the consumption side. Mm-hmm. And then what what I believe will happen is once the consumption side continues to rise, the creation side will rise as well. If you start listening to enough podcasts, because we live in a content creation society, you start to think, huh, my best friend and I are really funny. We could do a podcast too. Or, you know, I really want to do something about politics or, you know, I can do that. I listen to those shows enough. I want to be like the the podcasters that I admire. I want to be the next blah, blah, blah. So I believe that as the consumption rises, the creation side will rise as well. That's in like the short term, I don't know, over the next 12 to 24 months. I think in the longer term, you know, three, five, seven years from now, we'll see things that we're only beginning to imagine in the space become way more mainstream. I love the idea of the choose your own adventure podcast happening where people can actually make choices about characters in real time or how the interview will go in real time and hear different audio based on their choices. I believe that in conjunction with that fiction podcast will completely explode. Podcast for kids is still a super untapped market. I think there's a lot of interesting ways we can go beyond just the interview style shows that we see now. For sure. And do you think uh, when you look into the future, do you see podcasting continuing as like, as it is right now as a mostly open ecosystem? Do you see changes happening there as people like Spotify uh, and potentially others are going to make, uh, and you know, even looking at the charts now, there's large media companies like ABC or CBS that are uh, putting a lot more resources behind uh, podcasts than they were even a year ago. Do you think that that's going to change over time? No, I don't. I believe the system will continue to be very open, and I believe that if it becomes too much of a conglomerate in some ways, that either the law will step in. I was just reading this morning that there's a potential lawsuit pending about the Spotify acquisitions or that users will push back. And right now, Messi's only real main competitor in the DIY all-in-one platform space is Anchor. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that will always be the case the same way that WordPress and Squarespace and Wix all exist in largely the same ecosystem. The same thing will happen in podcasting, which is a good thing. The less gatekeepers to share your voice, the better. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting that there's not that many folks with that, uh, with your specific kind of focus, like you and Anchor. Of yeah, you can do it all right here. Like, why do you think? 
Why do you think that is? I mean, why, why are there so few choices for folks who want to do it all in one place? You know, I think it takes a special type of company to want to get into the mass user space versus doing a highly produced podcast. I think if a company is looking to get into the podcast space, they immediately go to, we should create the next serial, have it be highly monetized. And that's sort of a proven method that works well in other mediums, you know, across television, movies, et cetera. You know, it's a different story when you have thousands of users that are each creating individual podcasts that some might become huge hits and some might help someone feel less alone or speak to an audience of family or friends. It's just sort of a different model. But I have to imagine that there are other places seeing the success of Messy and Anchor and peeking over our shoulders just from my just from my inbox. I believe that that is to be true. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's I think it's great. Anything to remove barriers to entry um, is uh, amazing. Wh- whether that's in podcasting or, or in any other medium, you know, like you mentioned with blogs, it used to be um, super hard to make a website. Like my first blog, um, I started in I think 1999 or 2000, and I basically wrote my own like blogging script in this like now defunct like programming language uh, because. <laughs> Because like, yeah, like Blogger and all this other stuff didn't exist, right? So I was like, okay, I want to do this. I saw somebody who had a blog. I was like, I'm going to go like put some stuff together and make it happen. A hundred percent of what you just said is what happens in podcasting. You saw somebody else do it. You're like, hey, I can do that too. And you were lucky enough that you had that programming technical knowledge that you could build your own website. How much faster would it have been if there was Blogspot in 1999 that you could have used? You know? Absolutely. And I, I think it's it's just it's just uh, interesting that um, there's so many tools to serve professional people and that even, or uh, not even professional, but folks who like, understand the audio space and have that kind of knowledge already. Um, but even folks I know in, for example, the tech industry who are technical on some uh, some vector, right? They're programmers or whatever. They ask like, how do I do a podcast? Seems really complicated, right? Like there's no like one answer for be like, okay, well, I mean, you know, messy could be the answer, right? Uh, but like, it, it still feels like there's a lot of confusion as to how do I go about if I, if I wanted to even just kind of dabble in it and try it out, like, what do I even do? Right. Do I need all this equipment? Yeah, exactly. Messy is the answer. So now you have an answer to tell people, but I also, I totally agree with you. That is, you know, it's, the, one of the number one questions Messi's customer support gets is some variation of what's an RSS feed slash, oh, I thought I could create my podcast on Apple Podcasts, which right. people usually call iTunes. You know, like some of the very basic knowledge of podcasting is just not out there. And I understand if you're just a, if you're just a consumer, it's very easy to think that, oh, okay, yeah, so podcasts run on iTunes. That's what happens. That's where people create them. And it's confusing to explain, no, they're actually pulling from an RSS feed that's coming from a hosting site, yada, yada, yada. I, I think it's interesting that uh, even folks in the in the industry um, don't necessarily, you know, when, when, you, when you try to say, like, what happens when, you're, when you download uh, a, an episode of a podcast or what happens when you click subscribe, I think a lot of folks would actually have a hard time uh, I, I mean, you can explain it, but uh, a lot of folks would have a hard time actually explaining what, what goes on under the hood, right? I couldn't agree more. And I had a question from a user yesterday, you know, the difference between downloads and listens and plays. And she was nervous that her analytics weren't being calculated correctly because she thought people were streaming. You know, just it's a confusing world if there's a lot of different terms. It's not super standardized. And if you're a new creator, it can feel very overwhelming. Yep, absolutely. And and what we've seen, 
you know, again, going back to the, the idea of, of history repeating itself with blogs and podcasts, you know, uh, it was super hard to make a blog. It got a lot easier. It's now about as easy as, you know, it's almost like a joke how easy it is to make a blog or even how easy it is to make blog software, like a lot of programming tutorials for for web programming are like, here's how you like start a blog, right? So we've gone <laughs> like from 20 years, you know, 20 years ago, it was like uh, something you had to do completely on your own to, you know, even like five, five or 10 years ago being like, okay, like now this is something you can do in 15 minutes. Like you can code your own blog in 15 minutes, let alone, right. you know, just click a button to start a blog. So I, I think we have, you know, Messy and Anchor and, and there's a lot of folks in the industry who are trying to make tools to make it easier. I, it still seems like, you know, we have a long way to go just given even the public awareness of of what it takes to start a podcast and how podcasting really works. Yeah, we're at the beginning of the journey. Yeah, for sure. We have a long way to go, but that's an exciting thing. If, you, if you're at the beginning of the journey, there's a lot of ways a journey can take you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's on your roadmap in terms of uh, Messi's like feature set product stuff that you guys are working on this year? Yeah, our two main things for this quarter are we're rolling out some additional features for that nonprofit small business space. Um, we're really seeing that consumers in that space are really craving some more one-on-one support to do some more highly produced shows. So we're exploring part of our platform to function more like a traditional agency and to help people if they want to have someone help them storyboard or look out for what is the arc of a first season and how do you get great guests and all that stuff. So that's on the roadmap for that nonprofit small business side. Another space that we're really actively looking into is the ed tech space. We have a ton of teachers and students that use Messy both to give assignments and collect assignments, Mm. um, especially in the college market. So thinking about what are some ways that we can make it easier for professors and students to interact in the audio space via Messy, whether that's a walled garden of just of their class, or there's a way to make it so that they can create podcasts that are homework assignments that are all grouped together. Just really thinking about how can we better serve the ed tech market. And I'm doing a ton of conversations with teachers and professors. So anyone that's listening to this and is an interest in that ed tech podcasting space, would love to chat with them more. Uh, that's great. Uh, I would love to, to dig in more into the ed tech uh, side of it. Why do you think so many folks, because I've, I've heard this too, there's a lot of educators at all different levels who are really interested in bringing podcasting into the classroom. Like, why do you think that's happening now? I think one reason is that there's a big emphasis now on different learning styles for students, which I think is amazing. And we're learning that not everybody learns best from reading a textbook and having mm-hmm. audio where you hear the teacher's voice, you can hear their inflection, they, you can save uh, classroom lectures to be replayed back at your own convenience. It's just a way for teachers to better communicate with students. And something else that's also very interesting that's been happening on our platform is that we also have teachers of lower grades, whether that's elementary, middle, or high school, especially elementary and middle, doing podcasts for parents of the students. So like, hey, here's what we learned in school this week. Here's what's happening this weekend. Whatever it is, it's the the same way that people want to use podcasting to engage with potential clients, customers, fans. Teachers are recognizing that their parents are busy. Maybe there's some language challenges and they are not as literate with the written word as they are with the spoken word. And it's a way to really easily connect with them. I'm really excited about sort of exploring the space more. I have a big passion for 
education. So I'm hopeful that Messi can be somewhat of a solution. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'd love, I mean, I, my, my kids are really young, but it would be awesome. You know, the teachers put together a newsletter every year for my daughter's uh, preschool. Uh, it would be amazing to hear uh, the kids' voices would just be like incredible, you know? I was thinking of capturing my kids' voices on a podcast. I was like, that would be really fun to like, you could do a podcast where like once a year you come out with just an episode. We have pre- we have password protected podcasts on Messy. You could do one just for like family and friends where they could hear your kids' voices as they change over the years, like 12 episodes at like a little wrap up of every school year or something. I was thinking how you and ways my own family could use it over time. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I've also, you know, because we're podcast nerds, I've also was trying to think about how to capture the sounds of my kids as I get older. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> and they will always sound so cute and adorable, mispronouncing all the cute words. Eventually, there'll be 15-year-olds who will probably have no interest in being a part of mom's podcast project, but oh well. <laughs> right. And they'll probably want us to delete all the old recordings. So I wanted to uh, dive a little bit deeper into another trend that you had mentioned, which is the um, interest from nonprofits and other uh, businesses to start their own podcasts. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the trends that you're seeing there? So we know that there is a huge market for small businesses. About 30 million small businesses exist in the U.S., but one and a half million nonprofits. Those are two unique organizations that are always looking for ways to engage with their potential customers and clients and donors and fans that are both forward-looking, so their organization seems like they're on the cusp of the edge, but also take into account maybe smaller budgets than an ABC or a CBS or the New York Times is going to have. And we really think that podcasting is a way for them to achieve both of those goals. And if you don't have to worry about hiring an audio engineer, which can be expensive, and you don't have to worry about pitching your show to a gatekeeper like a Gimlet or an NPR that is going to accept a super small number of pitches each year and likely not a branded podcast. Um, Messy is a solution for you to be seen by your audience as on the edge of a new medium, which always makes people more excited to work with you or support you. I also think one of the huge benefits of podcasting is that as of right now, there's no real way to tell someone's analytics unless they share it with you. So even if you're running a business podcast that is getting 300 listens an episode, your your listeners don't know if you're getting 300 or 300,000. And that sort of privacy around analytics, it's not like followers on Instagram where everyone can see that, is a very appealing to businesses that are looking to be taken seriously, um, even as their numbers are, are growing. That's interesting. So, the, so you're saying that the the fact that there are not public rankings for a lot of these smaller shows is attractive to small businesses looking to build their brands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about all the podcasts that you listen to. You know, if you ask me my favorite podcast, I would super excitedly tell you my favorite podcast. And to me, they're so important. And I think that everyone should be listening to them and that they should be getting millions and millions of downloads. But I don't know if maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But it's nice that it's not like following an Instagram account that has a hundred followers where you feel like that maybe it's just a different experience than if you don't know the number of other listeners there are out there. Yeah, for sure. And so, and I would also put out there that 
for a small business or for a nonprofit, having 300 people listen to your podcast is probably a really amazing thing, right? Of course. That's actually, I mean, I look at, I can see people's analytics. That's, that's not, if you have 300 listeners every episode, you're actually in a great space, especially if you are doing a local podcast that is specific to one area. And you, you know, something I always think about is that podcasting is not like sending out a tweet and someone just liking or favoriting it. That person is far down the marketing funnel. They're already interested in your work. They probably already follow you on social. They already probably subscribe to your newsletter, which is how they found out about your podcast launching. And now they're really looking to engage with you on the next level. And they're if they haven't made a purchase or a donation yet, they're likely getting much closer to it. So it's a way to sort of move someone down the funnel in a really authentic way. I mean, we all... I like half the stuff I buy is because podcasters, I like recommend it and it used to be bloggers and now it's switching over to podcasters. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. And I, and I think you can see that also like one of the things I've found since, uh, being part of this industry is that when you talk to people about the podcasts they listen to, they're just so passionate about the shows they hear regardless of what you said, regardless of whether it's a massive show or a new show. I totally agree. I mean, it, like it's one of those things where I have to stab myself because I'm like, wait, you don't know about this show because it just becomes such a part of your week. And, you know, every Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, you're refreshing the feed, waiting for the new episode to come out. It It's one of those things where you feel like you're best friends with the, the hosts and you're learning smart things from them and all that stuff. And there's very few other mediums where you feel such a personal connection to the host. And that's because you're hearing their voice and the way that they speak and how they pause. And it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. Absolutely. Uh, well, can you share uh, anything cool that you've listened to recently? Regardless, you don't have to say whether it's on messy. We, we won't, we won't judge either way, but. <laughs> um, two shows that I listen to quite often are stop collaborate and listen with Bailey Hancock. Um, that's an awesome show about the power of collaboration and business. Something I think about a lot as Messi's getting ready to announce a big collaboration with another brand. Um, so I love Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Bailey Hancock is the host of that. And then another show that I really love is Best of Both Worlds. That's a show about balancing having a huge career and having a family and how to make that work, which is something that I'm uniquely interested in. I care very much about having a big company and, and a big family. And Best of Both Worlds speaks to that need. Yeah, it's it's hard to do both. I mean, we're doing the startup thing here at Chartable as well. Uh, both me and my co-founder Harish both have kids and are trying to juggle, uh, you know, uh, the demands of uh, starting a new business and uh, you know talking to all kinds of uh, stakeholders, whether that's uh, you know folks, potential investors or potential customers, whatever it is, uh, and also you know being present uh, when you get home and, and trying to be there for your family. If you're in the case of me, you're very pregnant. And so you are always carrying at least one of your kids with you. And how do you make that work when you're meeting with lots of investors or stakeholders and you feel like maybe you don't look your best or the way that you would want to look? And that's something I think about a lot is the challenges of not looking your physical best because you're pregnant while you're meeting lots of new people that you want to become influential in your business. Yeah. Well, congratulations from uh, all of us here. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> so if there was like one thing that you would wish that new podcasters or new potential podcasters 
knew about before they started their shows or any like one tip or set of tips that you could share with people who are going to start a show? I think if someone is thinking about launching a show, my main advice would be to do it now. The, the show idea you had six months ago or 12 months ago is probably already being done by someone else. You know, the space is moving quickly. You know, you want to find a name for your podcast that other people ideally haven't used yet. And you want to find a niche and the same the same way that the podcast, the bloggers that got in early into the space were the ones that are now the full-time bloggers with the empires, with the clothing lines and the massive podcasts and all that stuff. The same thing will happen in podcasting on a much more condensed timeline. So if you start that podcast today in three years from now, you will be in such a different space than someone that started it, you know, three years from now. The number one thing I hear from podcasters on messy over and over again is I wish I had started this earlier. So, you know, they always say, what's that proverb? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to start a podcast, this is the sign you need to have that podcast up and running. Your first episodes will be not your best, but that's okay. You'll get better over time. That's, I think that's great advice. I, I, I would have to agree a hundred percent. Uh, I've only been in the industry for about a year, uh, but it's changed so much in that time. Uh, and I really, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Now is the time. If you're thinking about starting a show, now is the time to do it. Uh, and um, Molly, is there anything else you'd like to share with uh, the Chartable Radio listeners? No, I've just been so happy to be on this podcast. I love making more connections with people that are also doing podcast startups within the space. So I'm so glad that you asked me on the show. If any of the listeners would like to reach out. Um, you can always email me at molly at messy.fm or if you're interested in starting a podcast, www.messy.fm. All right. Thanks so much, Molly, the CEO and founder of messy.fm. Thanks for joining us on Chartable Radio. Thanks, Dave. 